Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Podcast. Brian and Chris here for Work to Game, talking about the latest Final Fantasy XIV discussion, even going to be bringing up some Diablo 4 in today's show. The overall structure is we're going to talk about our hopes for Final Fantasy XIV in 2023. We just got the announcement of FanFest, so there is some really big speculation and some hopes and things that we've probably already predicted. Chris has been pretty accurate with his dates and his spreadsheets. So we have some good insight as to what can be expected, but we're going to also talk about what we'd love to see, what we hope. Then we're going to shift into a Diablo 4 conversation, uh, talking about the game, uh, what people are talking about it online, concerns over monetization, how Diablo Immortal is kind of affecting that. Is that going to work out in his favor? Both Chris and I have already played Diablo 4, and I'm personally very excited for its launch. Uh, but there's lots of questions up in the air. Obviously, as anybody's following the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition process knows that that still hasn't closed yet so we will continue to wait and see moving along moving along a little bit brazil moving. said they're not going to slow it down uh uk might be slowing it down at least based it on has to go comments. through each country that has has to be concerned if it's bad for consumer mm -hmm. now i think a lot of people are reading into it so like brazil said it's not bad for consumer and people are like oh, is it bad for playstation and brazil's like that's not our job like i don't like we don't care if PlayStation goes out of business as a country. Like we, we're not rooting for or against anybody. We're here to make sure that the consumer doesn't get screwed, and we don't think the consumer will get screwed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and people are like, ooh, yeah. they tossed shade at PlayStation. No, they just said they literally don't care. Like less than that. Apathy is what was tossed at PlayStation. <laughs> and uh, and finally, we're going to talk about uh, a spicy topic about Final Fantasy XIV not being alt friendly, which is going to be, I'm sure, going to raise some eyebrows and, and bring out some you know interesting opinions. Um, but we always like to hear uh, from you guys what you guys think, especially as it relates to Yoshi P's latest comments from the Q&A and how the community is receiving it and where maybe, you know, we have some ideas. Maybe we can take those forward, at least as a just a feedback mechanism for the devs at some point in the future. I don't think things are going to change any anytime soon, but it's important to have the conversation because we've been having the conversation for a while. We were told we were idiots. And now it's fun to see all the people who disagreed with us go and be like, wait a minute. Maybe and they had it right. The game has changed. Mm -hmm. The game has changed over the last nine years. So, like, given feedback, it does slowly get there. You just can't expect overnight changes, which is good. Like, it's also avoided us from going like way too far down the wrong road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and so that is going to be the show. We are streaming this both on uh, YouTube and on Twitch. And ultimately, guys, if you do enjoy Twitch, we would also encourage you to go lurk on that stream as we are trying to grow. Uh, just the overall numbers on Twitch. We thank you guys so much for your support and being there. We thank you for being here on the YouTube side and we thank you for the likes. And also, if you guys enjoyed these live shows, we do uh, take them down into MP3 format where you can kind of listen to them on your own. And they, uh, the, the MP3 usually rolls out a couple days after the live show does and we clip it up and all that good stuff. So if you've been following the channel for any period of time, uh, nothing I just shared should have been kind of new or revolutionary, but um, regardless, we do thank you guys for being here as a part of it. Feel free to continue to weigh in like you are, and we will uh, highlight your comments like we do and uh, and discuss them as well. So, Chris, first things first, let's talk about 2023 Final Fantasy 14. Obviously, we have the FanFest announcement. I think essentially when we start to look at our hopes for the game over the course of the next year, most likely we're talking patch 6.3, 6.4, and 6.5 i would be generally curious as if you think 6.55 will make it in 2023 or if we see that shift into 2024 most likely the expansion 7.0 literally will be in 2024 based off of 
the, the I mean, almost confirms it. J Japan Fan Fest is scheduled for 2024, so we know we're not going to get 7.0 next year easily. Uh, what do you want? I, okay, so uh, I believe patch 6.3 will be will start the year out in January. I don't think we're getting that this year because I think they're going to take their week over the winter, um, and I think it's going to kick it out past that New Year's date. Um, don't have any evidence of that yet. That's just where I feel it goes. Based on that, we kick out four months through the spring. Um, and you are basically looking at kind of that mid-May period for 6-4. Uh, and then FanFest, July 28th, uh, which always falls during the 4-4 cycle. So we're right on pace. That kicks 6.5 out to October uh, because we do take an extra week in the summer. So I'd put that in the first week of October, give or take. Uh, and then we have EU FanFest scheduled for November 21st. That is, that is the actual date, uh, which puts the half patch, I, I think, I think we are, the half patch is right around there. So we are either um, 11 days after that and the second live letter is at FanFest or they give us the 0.55 going into EU FanFest, put it on like the 14th, which is really exciting because then at that FanFest, they can have any trailer reveals that would spoil the 0.55 MSQ. Because for those of you that don't know, the trailer gets longer throughout the different FanFests as they're able to kind of add in little pieces that would act as a little too much reveal before we've done all of the MSQ tied to Endwalker. Uh, and so... I think having 0.55 come out like November 14th would be really exciting because we'd have just enough time to speculate. Then we would be able to get some reveals about the 7.0 stuff, some tiny little reveals uh, that maybe the 0.55 quest would have kind of given us the hints. Mm -hmm. um, then we go to Japan, uh, January 6th of 2024, which I believe uh, with no confirmation kicks um, the 7.0 launch out. Now, I had it as March 18th before. Mm -hmm. um, I think with the JP FanFest being in January confirmed, um, I feel that that's still a perfectly valid date uh, for 7.0 to launch. So I still stand by that date for now. Um, those dates will hone in um, as we... Is it October 21st instead of November? Yeah. Oh, that's way better. Okay. Okay. Well, I wrote that down wrong. Thank you. Well, if my confirmed dates are wrong, who knows what the rest of them are doing? <laughs> um, so, uh, thank you. Uh, I was writing those down during the 14 hour stream. So I was like, God. Well, especially because it was late, too. It's like, it's it's... Late. yeah, it, it was at the beginning of the 14 hour stream for them, but it was the end of an 18 hour day for us. Uh, so, thank you. That explains why I was like, why did I put November 21st on my spreadsheet over here on the I host the Twitch side, Brian hosts the YouTube side? I had the EU FanFest above. 6.55 and all i could think is why did i put november 21st before november 14th um what a weird <laughs> formatting choice chris uh yeah it explains it that explains it okay so so i i think 6.55 i originally had it scheduled for uh 11 14 mm -hmm. um which would be great that's great uh so that means that we would we would have the last of msq after eu fan fest yeah so that's kind of where i think things are um so that means in 2023, we are talking about patch 6.3, mm -hmm. MSQ, Alliance Raid, um, 6.35. Uh, uh, we believe we're getting an ultimate. 6.3, which is probably 6.31. 6.35, we're talking about updates to the Relic, um, as well as Deep Dungeon returning. In mm -hmm. addition to this, we're getting all this other, like, Tataru and all the other side stuff. Um, then we go into 6.4 in May, which mm -hmm. will be the last of the uh, raids. That's 9 through 12 and 9 through 12 S with ideally 6.41. Sounds mm -hmm. like they're going to leave the delay in. 
Um, and then 6.45, we will have Criterion updates, Island Sanctuary updates, and um, uh, Relic updates. Keep in mind that by that point, we will have also finished duty support, give or take. We might only have part of Stormblood, um, but this expansion, we are finishing duty support to catch up with Shadowbringers, mm -hmm. and the new player experience will be fully automatable for four mans. Um, they are talking about in next expansion, maybe going back and adding eight man support for the trials that are tied to MSQ and maybe the 24 man support so that they can get through their crystal tower portion, which means that if you're playing on odd hours on a, on a new data center, you will have no issues as a new player once that's done. Um, and then we finish out the year with 6.5 and 6.55. So basically it's, what do you want from the rest of true Endwalker content? Um, as we finish up the raid in the Alliance raid series and all the relic, because it'll all slide into next year. I think for me, what it's going to be 2023 is going to actually be defined by in a way, what the end of uh, Shadowbringers was defined by like what interesting and unique ways can I tackle the content that they give me? Now I am just, I think two levels away from Omni 90. So that means that my uh, time and investment in the game won't be driven off of, uh, you know, XP in that regards. So what ultimately will be is like, I really had a ton of fun doing speed runs uh, at the end of Shadowbringers. I had a lot of fun doing different things. And so when I look at Criterion and Deep Dungeon, honestly, I think that's where probably my investment will be. And what we talked about in our Relic conversation, just for those of you who had didn't see that video or, or watch that live show, is that if there is an invitation into the Relic from the content that I'm interested in doing, then I might as well just go ahead and do the relic step. Like, but ultimately I have absolutely no interest in even picking up the quest and it might be that I'm behind, but that's how my relics have always been. I've always been behind the curve. It was never this big investment on it. Um, so that's kind of something where I'm just like, yeah, I don't see myself in 2023 really worried about the relic or really worried about any of the kind of the big content pieces. I might personally sleep even on the 24 man raid uh, just to kind of let that story finish itself out and then actually go in because I've only done the raid one time. I haven't actually done any of the continued story. And so I think essentially it's going to be 2023 is going to be about fan fest first and foremost uh, and having that like in-person experience, which I'm just itching for. And then beyond fan fest itself, like how can I, uh, how can I challenge myself in both the deep dungeon and using Criterion Dungeon as both a community-driven aspect, but as a way of, like, could I do speedruns on what dungeons? How fast can these dungeons be cleared? Like, just trying to use the sandbox that we have within the game and make it unique and interesting and, and try to make something that I am looking forward to. Because the, the Omni 90 grind has been taxing <laughs> and that's why it's like i've definitely pulled back on it because i was like oh i'm, I'm definitely feeling like i don't want to log in today so I, I choose i choose not to but it's gonna be a nice thing to finish and that's gonna set up i think 2023 as a way of just like okay cool we have like how many we have so many dungeons in this game what dungeon what's the fastest dungeon run that i can do like out of all of those what's the deep dungeon aspect and i'm hoping oh gosh i'm hoping that we see like lost actions come into the deep dungeon I'm hoping that we see lost actions as a part of the uh, criterion, but I will have to wait. We'll have to wait and see what, what, what do you want to see over that course of the year? Because obviously the story is going to continue. 
we're gonna get and they and yoshi p's already teased that like the, the ending of the the six you know five five series really obviously sets up 7.0 in a, in a powerful way um the story itself with the raid and it seems like maybe they're all kind of going to converge so there's some theory theory crafting there i've seen a couple of videos that have been floated my way that i'm looking forward to watching but that, that's that's my take chris on 2023 i from a content perspective like i would love them to redesign the frontlines system because crystalline conflict i think is just so good that i wish frontlines as a whole concept was updated to kind of reflect those same kind of changes but that's that's pretty much it i think my list is pretty small because the things that i want that are bigger i i know probably aren't ever gonna happen or, or at least not gonna happen in in a patch cycle if criterion is half as successful as the savager ultimate at satisfying the high-end community and if criterion is half as successful at drawing in people as the deep dungeon full clears have been the island sanctuary and the and the um, crystalline conflict. Getting our first three criterions because they said we were also going to get one in six point five. Um, so probably that six point five five. Like it'll be a big piece of content that that hopefully goes on and lives and and grows into something really wonderful. Um, that doesn't mean every step will be wonderful. It's it's going to need to grow. Um, like so as a story skipper this is a pretty packed expansion for me because this is the expansion i'm going back and catching up and i'm trying to do it all in one expansion cycle i'm not trying to blast through it but like mm -hmm. two years feels like a really long time to rebeat the game um as on an alt for story and we'll talk about alts as our last topic of the day um but it's also like a really short time to go through effectively like nine years of story uh and i'm doing it alongside my main who is progressing the endwalker story and so i'm doing that at each step so the fact that i'm keeping my main capped on tomes and stuff every week and i'm doing all that and i'm playing other games um 2023 is busy for me because i am experiencing both the new player experience and the old player experience simultaneously mm -hmm. but if we just look at the 2023 content cycle for endwalker um, there is something I'm excited about in every single main and sub patch. Every single patch has something I'm excited about. Um, either from gear updates and like, I really enjoy the vertical progression in this game. It's just simple enough that it's not too crazy. And it's just mm -hmm. not mandatory enough that if I ever get busy doing other stuff, I don't feel like I'm penalized for skipping a step. Um, I feel like it's there if I want it. And if I don't want it, that's okay too. Um, so I'm... I'm really excited. I think the the key moments for me is I'm loving the raid series. I'm loving the Alliance raid series. Uh, and so I'm really excited to see where those go. Those are like mainline content. Mm -hmm. And then I'm really hopeful Criterion is everything that, you know, I know you and me and, and a lot of people have been asking for this for years. And I hope it can be really close to that right out of the gate um, as we charge into it next week. Um, because I'm really excited about it. Uh, and so yeah. I do hope that it's that thing that, like this week I had to do an expert roulette on Monday and I threw up a party finder and three DPS joined. Somebody yeah. joined as a healer and swapped. And I was like, are we doing this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. you're a warrior. And it was the most fun in a dungeon I'd had in, in a long time, in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I died on one boss cause I just made a mistake and there wasn't any way to bail me out. We had a summoner, get me back up. We recovered. We didn't die. Like, our clear wasn't record speed because I died. Yeah. Um, and so we had some slop, but um, like it was still like a, like a 15 minute clear or something, 16 minute clear. It was still, it was still up there. Like I've run with groups with a healer that get down around that range, but you're talking groups that are pumping. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt 
it was so fun. So if Criterion, we talked about that with PvP. Yeah. Like just remove healers. And they effectively did. Yes. And it's great. And so like if Criterion feels like it's not just this like protected by a good healer or die if you have a bad healer. Yeah. Um well, and that's the question because when you start to actually have smaller parties, like the one thing I wish they had announced with Criterion personally is that if Criterion was five man, because one of the things about Crystalline Conflict five man it just i don't know why but it just feels a little bit more social than any any other like piece of content and it would have been an interesting opportunity to to segment these things completely differently but they didn't and i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bemoan that right like four man makes sense that's we don't have to re-explain it to anybody but i thought it would have been a good opportunity in that regards because you're right you're right you know like if it all comes down to either you win based off your healer that's a lot of pressure on one specific player. And that's one of the reasons when Yoshi P's talked about that, that concern, because when you go with an eight person or a 24, like you have so much more flexibility that if somebody isn't ultimately doing their job, you can still recover. You can still get the, it's going to be slower, but you're going to still actually be able to, to succeed. And so ultimately that's kind of, that's, that's kind of where I'm like, it's going to be neat to see the nice thing that they're doing and this will be interesting as well. This is something I'm looking forward to as well is that when you start to say like, hey, you get so many revives, anybody can do it. It kind of reminds me of the Rathlos thing. It's like, yeah, we, everybody kind of has this as this ability. It's shared. So do, do people bring red mages? Because you don't need the res, right? Like you don't have this progression versus, you know, like, uh, you know, clears mindset, right? Where if you're going to go in for prog, you want a summoner or a red mage. So you have that additional res ability so you can see more of the fight or but you now got your clears now you're going black mage which brings more damage and as long as you're doing your job you're not dying so you're good right but now like okay anybody can res like is it just you know all black mages all the time like are we going to see any kind of job disparity you know there um i think what i'm going to be like interested in especially over the course of 2023 like we talk about fan fest is that i kind of continue to slip into I would love, love, love. I would rather them not introduce a new job in 7.0 and really kind of give the entire battle system and, and the jobs that we currently have more time, attention, and love. Because we know it takes a lot of work for them to make a new job. Even if we were going to say one job as opposed to two, Do you, how do you feel about that? Does, does FanFest not come out and say new job or... <laughs> like if there's no slide yoshi p is gonna have to talk about it then and there and talk about the philosophy about it what do you think i, I mean this this expansion has been the yoshi p apology tour so saying he would have to come out and apologize it's not a reason for or against anything this time around um i don't know yeah i don't know um I would be excited by that, by them not worrying about new jobs and focusing in on the jobs that we have at this point, like, especially after this, I just this, think it's a big rug because we didn't feel it coming, but maybe that's the right way to do it. Um, but I, I do think like it's getting harder and harder. And when we see things like the seminar rework and we start to see things like, um, going back with duty support, it's not, it can't be all effort forward thinking. Some effort has to be about going backward and making sure that because um this game does a, a really reasonable job of going back and supporting legacy content which not only invites in friends you meet along the way as new players 
but it also means that when you change as a player, um, when you change what you want from the game, that your experience going backward is still there. So anybody who's never done savage they can go back and do the old savages they're still there anybody who's never healed in his recent thing that's going to really lead our final topic of like um you know try healer well you get to go back and level that up and so it's important that we preserve the path behind us we mm -hmm. don't just pull the ladder up and say well you deal with it yeah um that feels sucks like, feels like some of that has been happening though it's like we've we've advocated that when we talk about level syncing, like, so if Yoshi P was going to come in as a part of this wouldn't happen in 2023, mind you, like when we start talking about expansion, like, Hey, we're going to re look at the, the level syncing system to make it, you know, more, more scalable, more flexible, something of that nature. Cause we talk about like them bringing old content up to the current level cap or letting us have our, our skills. And then the counter argument, it's like, Oh, the content's just going to get burned through and be easy. And it's like, it already does that. Like, Unreal Every, doesn't. Unreal punches people Unreal, sometimes. Yeah, un, but that's them actually taking the content up and looking at it from a design perspective. So I'm I'm a little concerned with that because Unreal turns out has taken them so much effort. Well, they talked about Unreal's coming back. So like one would and so like I pictured by now that we would be getting an Unreal we've had before mm -hmm. and a new one. Yeah. I pictured that we would already be running two at a time. And this is starting to look a lot like that duty reporter option where it's yeah. like, oh, you guys are still struggling to get these out. And they didn't release one alongside the expansion because the expansion is such a full thing. And like if it was effortless, they could have just pushed one alongside, but it's not effortless. And so they said, hey, we're already yeah. putting our effort into the expansion, so we don't have time for this extra, which makes sense if that's true. But like from a single standalone piece of content tells me that's expensive. So I would like to see us remove reduce to one job per expansion mm -hmm. um, and stagger it down. Like we have the dungeons. There will be those people who say this is the death of the game, but like the total amount of content per patch has done nothing but rise. See, like the counter argument I would make as a final fantasy online veteran, including 11, the most praised and beloved expansion in 11 had no new jobs. And that was changed to Promethea. Uh, and so when it comes down or Promethea, however people want to pronounce it. And so like there, I, there's precedence that I do agree, like them going to a kind of a one job approach would probably be preferred if they're able to then take that additional time and look at the current battle system and the current job system, because yeah, there is a, an excitement about the new job. Not going to lie. I'm, you're not hearing that argument from me, please make sure that I'm clear on that. But I just saying that I think at some point, especially when we look at the historical significance of what 7.0 could bring, the complaints that we're continuing kind of hearing throughout this this year from from both the casual and the hardcore communities that I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, yeah, well, what if we actually sit down and, 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 and my precedence is literally crystal glowing conflict. My precedence is like they really went through and didn't like not that I'm saying that that PVE needs to be exactly what they did for PVP. But you cannot convince me that the PvP changes don't feel incredible, right? Like, it's like, oh, that's a lot of jobs. That was a lot of work that they had to put into that. What if they were going to go and think through, like, the entire leveling experience, the entire, you know, thing forward and say, what would we do if we were going to sit here and say, hey, we have all these these skills and you know, what is the real identities and the PVE side of things and, and really bring out and try to make each of the jobs themselves a little bit more, you know, instead of a lot, you know, a lot less homogenized, but I know you that's and I are really pro limited job. 
Yes. Um, and and oh, Blue Mage will get an update. Baby. We just don't know when. When is and it so happening? Go, We'd love to see a second limited job so that we know what a limited job is right now. Right now, the word limited job and, and the like the phrase limited job and the phrase Blue Mage I are interchangeable. Yeah. They're one and the same. But there are there are aspects of a Blue Mage that are tied to their vision for a limited job. And there are aspects that are just tied to Blue Mage. Um, just like there's different healers, right? And healer means something, but each individual healer also means something. Mm -hmm. um, so if we had more jobs in there, we'd be able to start better distinguish what the role is of a limited job um per se but like i there are people that argue limited job the blue mage should be able to have a version of itself slide into pvp um either its own mode or in with everybody else or it should be able to slide into um current content somehow uh and you know their, their reasoning for not doing that is that they can't do that without taking out the identity they built around blue mage whether or not you like that identity it does have one and that's and that's something that they want to preserve if they're not going to add more jobs, what I'd love to see them do is let the wild side of other jobs out to play. Yes, um, dude. So that imagine would be wild. If, imagine if like Summoner got its own piece of like Island Sanctuary and it got to explore summoning things over there. I mean, there's already like pets and stuff living on that island. Like it got to go summon and it had its own little masked carnival. And then when it was out in the world, it had limited actions that it could do that nobody else could do um and so when it was not in group content when it was open world content so yeah i could do it in groups for hunts and fates and things like that but could not do it inside instances um you know could not do it in msq battles or whatever nothing nothing crazy but just when it's in the content that it's just meant to be content right i was in a hunt train yesterday there's like 150 people killing a monster like that's not <laughs> balance is not the goal let it do something crazy like, let it drop a Dalamut. I don't care. Like, like <laughs> let it do something silly um, and truly summon. Like, Final Fantasy 16 summons. Just blow the doors off. Um, have its own limit break, whatever. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and any job. And so, like, and then each expansion say, okay, we're going to add one new job. And then we're also going to make one or two jobs slide into having a limited version of themselves. Yeah. And then maybe do some reworks and things like that, like they did with Monk and, and Summoner, where they get a chance to go back and, and yeah. revisit. Revisit doesn't always mean better. They aim for better. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always mean better. But but I do like that they're saying, hey, if something's not in a good state, we're not going to just leave it there. Yeah, agreed. At the end of the day, when we look at the next year for Final Fantasy, we're talking about three major patches at a minimum. We're talking about two fan fests at a minimum. And it's going to be an exciting time. Lot. It's going to be a lot of information and that's going to go into the holidays and then back out into the spring. And I, I already speculation like, you know, April, May, you know, June for the for, uh, 7.0, which will be wonderful. I know Yoshi P wants to kind of get off the winter expansion cycle and move more into that summer, that summer cycle again, which would be really exciting. It could be further than March. Yeah, March that's is just my date. March, I as I said, you know, April, May, June is like, you know, as kind of the giving them plenty of uh, buffer and leadway into another summer of Final Fantasy 14 with the expansion would be, I think, truly incredible. And Chili's saying, wish we had the Blue Mage Battle Royale that they were talking about as a, as a part of interviews. When those things leak, it's like, you know, maybe 7.0 has that. Like, that would be wild. It would be in very interesting to see what, what ends up uh, befalling it in terms of uh in terms of the future for the game itself so um that's that's those are my thoughts chris do you have any any final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap up the segment and move into part two 
No, I just love to know what people like the what the thing they're going to do definitely on patch day besides MSQ and like the mainline stuff. What side content, what 0.5 patch content are you feeling like, God, I almost feel like I need to take off work. Is it is it deep dungeon? Is it criterion? Is it new island sanctuary? Um, is it the relic stuff? Uh, what's what's that thing that you just feel hungry for that last expansion? We've been like, that's crazy. Um, let us know. Let us know. And so coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking about on the alt friendliness of uh, Final Fantasy 14. But up next, we're going to be talking about any chance in hell for Diablo 4. Our thoughts, impressions, especially as uh, everything kind of uh, plays itself out in terms of uh, Internet dialogue conversation and the and the upcoming pending release for this uh, this new MO uh, RPG. And thank you, Swan, the survivor for a thousand bits of that amazing support. Holy smokes, guys, thank you. All right, guys, we are gonna be talking about Diablo 4. Chris and I have both had the opportunity to play it back in the day. Uh, I really enjoyed what they showed off. It is a uh, an exciting time to be a fan of Diablo, and it's at the same time, it's an ex interesting time to be concerned about how they're gonna monetize. Does this, does this mean for the future? Uh, all in all, it's going to be very interesting. Now, Chris and I actually haven't really talked about it in terms of like what we are seeing online and what people are saying. So this is a good opportunity for us to kind of get caught up on the state of Diablo 4, uh, our expectations for its launch. And the question first to you, Chris, is are you going to be playing Diablo 4 or do any of the things uh, warrant um, a, a, a delay? So I, I think first of all is we haven't spent a lot of time talking about that genre of game. Um, and so I want to kind of just talk for a little bit about kind of where you're coming from. So mm -hmm. I played a fair bit of Lost Ark. I played a lot of Wilson, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I played a ton of previous Diablos. Um, and I never really spent a lot of time with Path of Exiles. I've watched a lot of it, never really spent a lot of time. And those are kind of like the defining titles that jump to mind as far as that style of, of gameplay. Um, there are other games I've played that kind of fall really close, but... Uh, those are the ones that define it. And so I've played a lot of them over the years, um, but I play them very seasonally. And so a game being a success or not a success, it doesn't matter if it can hold me forever because yeah. I've always thought of them as very, very seasonal games. And seasonal is a word they've ended up kind of using as a way to long-term support those games. So they are aware of this and leaning into the seasonal nature of games like this, where if you want to take a season off, that's fine. Um, there'll be another season. You just hop back in. So um right out of the gate that's kind of my history with the genre you and i did get a chance to play the tech demo as it when it was available back at blizzcon um the tech demo obviously just being really really rough um i thought it played great but like mm -hmm. it could have changed a ton since then um when we talk about monetization i think that's another topic so first of all kind of like where are you coming from on this topic so when it comes down to it, I could care. Like, I don't like pay to win, I'm, you know, but I don't think uh, I think the problem is that pay to win in terms of gaming culture has been insanely like watered down and it could mean anything to everybody. Also, I don't subscribe to the idea that a gamer will avoid a game if the game is good. And so I've seen a lot of people like I'll never play a free to play game, yada, yada, yada. Oh, it turns out free to play games, a lot of fun. Well, guys, you know, you do you, right? Like the reality is, is that I don't struggle with feeling like my money is just kind of getting yeeted out into the void because thankfully I don't have that, that problem. And I also have a wife that probably would murder me. Like how much did you spend on the, like Diablo Immortal? Nothing. How much did you spend on Lost Ark? 
nothing. Like, how much did you spend on, like, the X, Y, and Z game? Nothing. Like, it's like, I just haven't spent money on it. Um, and so, uh, like, in Lost Ark, actually, I bought the the pack, which is fine, because I actually played a lot in Korea. But more or less, uh, I guess, Tower Fantasy. How much did you spend on Genshin Impact? Nothing. Like, I haven't spent any money. I just kind of play them. And if I decide to really get invested in it, I got no problem supporting it. The question is, is how do you then monetize it? Personally speaking, I don't think the Battle Pass is ultimately a flawed idea. I think its implementation in games is flawed. Uh, and so I'm hoping that we'll see the evolution of the Battle Pass, especially in a game like Diablo or in anything else to kind of look what Halo did right like everything else is they, they need to work on it but what they did right is allow you to own that battle pass and you can equip it whenever you want so even if you don't finish it it doesn't just disappear you can literally go back and and select battle pass from season one or whatever and and grind on it if that's what you want to do you bought it and then i think that also opens it up for them to sell battle passes at any point in time, it's not always about the moment, but it's about like, hey, we have this content if you want to go grind on it. And so if they were able to go into that direction, they want to monetize with with cash. Like that's what that's what the monetization system is. That's when you go look at the like all the games, everybody who's the, as a part of the next generation uh, of gamers is trained up in, you know, uh, vanity and battle pass. And I think Diablo has a unique opportunity to kind of capitalize on that. What will be a weird thing is that obviously you have Diablo as an established franchise with an established player base. And you also have this established seasonal model. And that seasonal model is changing into the battle pass model. And I think there's definitely going to be some friction, some frustration there. And you obviously have the, the fear mongering and concerns after Immortal. Um, but I think that could actually benefit Diablo 4 in the long run. Because if it, everybody's worried that the monetization is just going to be absolutely ga garbage, and then it turns out that it's like, oh, that's actually okay. <laughs> like, then you're not going in saying, we're going to have the perfect monetization model. It's going to be so gamer focused. And then all of a sudden it's like, then you have Immortal, where it's like, that. that's what happened there. They were like, hey, yeah, this is us. We're the ones who are setting this. And then all of a sudden you go into Immortal and you're like, this is a massive, massive cash, you know, cash grab. Um, but that's just what I think. What do you think? Okay, so we'll jump to monetization. Um, so Diablo 3 on launch had a monetization choice. Um, there had been a secondary market for items in Diablo 2. Mm -hmm. Blizzard saw none of that money. People lost a lot of accounts. There was a lot of heartache. Um, I don't remember when the WoW token was, if it was before that or after that. Um, it was but after like, that. Mon for the token, monetization yeah. in games had been kind of this like, how do we handle this? So they decided we're going to do a real money auction house. Um, and now the real money auction house, I, I had a friend, I had friends that made like hundreds and hundreds of dollars doing this. Um, it, it on its own, it basically kind of was like, oh, and if you find something really cool, you can sell it. But it, it kind of turned everything really goofy, really fast. Yeah. And then it also meant that anything, a certain value, like it just, it just, screwed things as opposed to the barter system that exists in diablo 2 it just scaled everything really weird and then when they pulled it out everything had been built around it and so the game didn't like immediately you kind of pulled this support out and part of the one spot side of the game felt like it just kind of crumbled and then they had to build it back up and so i think diablo 3 kind of grew back into something that was like really beautiful considering that half of it was renovated mm. uh but <laughs> You know, it does make you wonder what Diablo 3 could have been had they not, like, had to collapse one side of the building 
the week they moved in. Uh, like that's just, it was, it was hard. Um, but it became something that's been really successful and like, it's, it's moved to things like switch and it's invited a lot of people into the Diablo franchise. And there's a lot of good things about what Diablo three is over its whole life cycle. Um, it's just been marred by some really unfortunate choices. So when I look at Diablo four, I think the first concern is people are going to think that it's the same people that did Diablo immortal. And I would say that it's kind of like when people said that Blizzard was bad because of Activision, forgetting that Blizzard was perfectly capable of making mistakes before Activision. So I would say that if there are mistakes, that's not a sign that Diablo immortal bled in because there were already mistakes in mainline Diablos before that. <laughs> uh, and so they're perfectly yeah. capable. Had Diablo immortal never released, they would still be capable of screwing out monetization out of the gate. And Diablo 3 has taught us that doesn't mean a death sentence. Um, with a game like this that is truly seasonal, all that means is don't play the first season. Uh, and so there can still be a lot of beauty. If you've never played Diablo 3 and it goes on sale or something now, playing a single season of Diablo 3 now can still be a lot of fun. Um, and there's a lot I like about that game. So I, I, I think I have a lot of hope for it. Um, There's support for Diablo 2 coming back and everything they've done with Diablo 2 resurgence or whatever reword they've assigned to things now because reforged is off the table. Um, like it's, it's been really amazing to watch that get supported. Um, so I'm, I'm really hopeful for Diablo four. I mm -hmm. think it has a chance. I think it'll do really great out of the gate. Diablo Immortal's still like top of the app store, even with all the hate. So oh, I, it's if nothing money. else, like... the hype alone will drive pre-orders oh hi well hype is is just a hell of a drug for for gamers as well so it's that even if it has bad monetization if the game's a lot of fun to play i think a lot of people will will excuse it they'll make an excuse for it and then eventually that that it will come back you know once that hype dies down once that initial rush of excitement dies down and then if you're left with this person just asking for mon money then all of a sudden you see the opposite thing happen where it's just in, enraged like gamers just then you know so you have these highs and lows and that's an algorithmic i think function of our current you know society and with youtube and twitch and, and twitter and all the things of that that kind of that drive that but before you jump in vasa says talking about the fomo of it and that's why it's like if you own a battle pass the fomo in that fear of missing out gets lessened because literally you can choose to work on it whenever you do when too much artificial fomo is injected into any kind of monetization system i completely opt the f out i literally am like oh you're telling me i i literally need to grind on this game non-stop for the next you know 90 days with you know even if it was like oh it's only going to take you 30 to do this or 15 to do it no, I like I'll be like, no, I'm it's not worth it. Like, but if you're saying that I can own that battle pass and grind on it whenever I choose, I'll absolutely purchase it because I I like that. I, I want to support the games that I like and I want to support the systems that I like. And the best way to, in my mind, you vote is with your dollar. But you're going to say something, Chris? Um, I, I think that the, the second half of this, I'd love to focus also on like, what do we want from gameplay? Mm -hmm. So like I started yeah. by saying like, here's my history with the this, this game type and I do enjoy them. And then we stopped to talk about monetization because if you don't talk about it, it seems like you're whitewashing it. So yeah, yeah. like that is naturally the second part of the conversation. And I, I think I'd love to shift. Sure. So I think Let's talk. Well, no, we've, Let's talk, just we've talk, covered monetization. What do we want from gameplay? I, they've already so, delivered everything for me. I can't wait to hear what you go. So, go ahead. So, like, when I played Wilson on mm -hmm. launch, the yeah. idea that played Wilson on launch, I, I had to go back. Wilson on launch allowed for an insane amount of build variety 
which meant that it was way beyond anything that could have possibly been quality checked, which means you could get yourself so far outside of the meta that once the community started finding these big power builds, the, the highs were so high and the lows were so low um, that it got to where you felt like you couldn't even try out other builds because you had to go backward in progression so much. You could mm. push these really high, deep levels, these like hell levels. You could push them really high with these better builds and then you would try another build and it would it would set you back. Um, you know, like, well, that was a mistake. So like, but Diablo 2, I felt like there was so much build variety and I didn't feel penalized like that. Um, so what I want is Diablo 2. I want runes back. I want um variety back and i love what they've started to do with this kind of seasonal like we're gonna add a set or we're gonna just toss a wrench into the machine and see what it does um so i think the first thing that like i really want confirmation on they've talked on it in some panels and stuff mm -hmm. but as we get closer i want to start seeing evidence that this is a game that if one season's not for you that the system's going to continue to evolve the advantage of something like diablo 4 over Final Fantasy 14 for me. Why would I take a break and play Diablo 4? Is build variety. Because build variety in a, in a game like that, if it breaks, it all resets at the season anyway, and we're used to that. And I'm not, I don't need to preserve old content. I don't need to be balanced with other players. It's all small lobby stuff. So, like, ideally for me, um, I'm excited to break some stuff, but not to the point where we have to leave people behind. So, like, I, I think it's a lot better when, like, we can really go loose true just agency to the point of mm -hmm. as far as you can go without beginning of wilson wilson got fixed that later and it was way better when i went back for another season um as far yeah, as I you can go, go jump back into wilson did they ever add controller support i don't know bummer i don't play games with controller well because diablo 4's got controller support diablo 4's got crossplay cross play cross play shooters with i only play shooters shooters and racing games are the only things i use a controller for I'm just saying, like, for me, when you talk about that, that sounds great. They've already kind of shown that off. And as long as they don't cut it, like build variety and options are awesome. And yes, there will always be a meta, but F that meta, dude. Like, I don't care. Like metas are only important when matchmaking, I think, is 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 implemented as, as opposed to that. Because if we we're all like, hey, let's get together. Oh, I'm going to build my bring my wacky kind of build because it does these things. And it might, you know, even synergize with your options that you've chosen so we okay. can you know things like that like i like that aspect but meta is a is a form of like class synergy uh yeah i always like when two people together are better than individual yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely and so like if there's skills that can synergize off of one another that'd be sweet because then essentially like yeah maybe that skill isn't meta but then you rocking this skill and me rocking this skill we're clearly doing better than everybody's prescribed meta and so but that's where matchmaking comes in matchmaking and, and meta becomes the be all end all because it becomes this community standard this unspoken agreement that if we're going to get teamed up together that you know what you're doing so you're not you know like having a negative impact on my experience and that's where like that's just where i come come into it so the ability to do that the ability to respect the ability to save like maybe these builds would be would be epic and the fact that when it comes down to it, 14s with the gears, you know, like it doesn't have builds in 14, but it would be like, at least you can have that, that saved aspect. So you're not sitting here having to, oh, we're, Chris and I are playing together. Let me try to remember what I was doing. You know, that, that is important to me. That's also the same thing with Destiny. It's like, I'm glad Destiny's finally getting loadout, you know, loadouts in the game itself because 
then it gives me the ability to experiment more, uh, you know, in, in a more casual way that's that's more fun and flexible. I mean, I think there will always be a meta um, because ultimately better is better. And while mm -hmm. not everybody wants to be the best, nobody wants to suck. Uh, and so when you only have so many hours in a day, I, I think like metas establish. But uh, if we're going to be additive here and I'm just going to pile on top of everything you say, mm -hmm. then what I would love for that to have, if we're going to have respects and loadouts and all that, is one of the things that Diablo 2 um, kind of stops you from doing that, or one of the things that these games make very hard, is account-wide. Yeah. Um, and so giving me the ability to manage like an armory across all my classes and switch to them more seamlessly. Um, like imagine if you could have Final Fantasy job swaps with like a Guild Wars account-wide system yeah. um, in a Diablo 2 build environment. Uh, the you know one of the hard things about Destiny is that you get this piece of loot for your hunter, and the act of switching to your hunter uh especially back when I was on a machine that had really long load times. I had to like log out and then, uh, and then, yeah. uh, and then mm -hmm. back into a fire team. And so like, it's like, well, then I just am, I'm just like, I played Hunter. It's like, well, I'm just not going to play Warlock. Like the act of building out a Warlock just made me want well, nothing yeah. to do. With well, it. it's the same thing. And that is going to tie into our next topic about like, well, I guess I got to go do the story again and I got to do this again. And I got it. Like, I don't want that. Like, is there a way like, so you're exactly on point now. Um, I, I want to make sure, is there any, like, cause I've listed everything that I want. Is there anything else that you want in terms of Diablo four and content? Because you pretty much teed off the second, the last topic for today's show. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's really it. I just want a game that's, it's always going to be a secondary game to me. So, um, something to explore and it doesn't need to be perfect. So it's, it's not my bread and butter. It's not where I get all my entertainment hours. So, um, I'm excited about it. And, mm -hmm. and I know that. Um, I, how come, come for your warlock? No, I'm not coming for your warlock because I don't want the load screen. I'm interested in warlock and I'm just not going to take the time warlock. to unload my hunter. I picked hunter the first time I played Destiny 2 and now I'm locked in. You're locked for in forever. Load screen. For fear of that. I can't try them out. Can't yeah. do it. Actually, I think I, my arm leveled. But um, so I, I yeah, I, I, I'm ready to talk about alts in Final Fantasy 14 and, and why Yoshi P's recent comments makes that kind of a weird topic now. Um, but yeah, I see people saying like this will drive them to POE. If nothing else, D4 kind of reinvigorates that genre and it's the importance of genres. When we talked about MMOs, when people say WoW is dead, that's bad for all MMOs. So don't yeah. hope for that. So D4 can be good even for Path of Exile. Um, so just more games that are more fun for more people. I hope Diablo 4 can be that. Um, and if it's not, I think that's bad for everybody. Absolutely. Anyhow, guys, that was the Diablo 4 conversation. If hopefully you enjoyed this video and stream, if you did, hit that like button, subscribe for more of these, or join us on our live shows where we film this Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the mornings. Uh, so it's great having you here. Now, next up, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy 14. Is it alt friendly? Some uh, conversations have been erupting online, especially on Discord, regarding uh, just go play a healer, just go try a healer. Yoshi P's words did not land. In, uh, for several of us and what he said and what we kind of think about that. This is a conversation we've actually had multiple times and multiple frustrations. So we're going to be talking about the alt friendliness of Final Fantasy 14 and is it uh, something that can be improved on and how would we want to see it improved uh, when we come back from this Twitch break? Uh, if you're over here on YouTube, you might just continue to hear us talk. <laughs> so Jess can ask how much Diablo 2 I play and I see a sub badge so we can answer that. Um, how much Di Guild Wars 2 have I played? Uh, I have two level capped characters and I still have both my boosts intact. Um, and I have cleared a little of every single piece of content in the game. Um, I have all of my Tyria map completion done. 
Uh, I've done the base story of Tyria, but I've I've story skipped through everything else. Uh, I have a I have a character that I take story very seriously, and I have a character that I just chase gameplay. So I just push escape through all the cutscenes. Um, that's my main because that's how I play MMOs to start. And then um, I've I've done a fair bit of PvP. I'm a warrior main. I'm doing Bladesworn currently. Uh, I've cleared I full map cleared all but like the final zone of End of Dragons, um, and I am very close to being done with like the fourth or fifth step of my sky scale. So um, I would say, and I'm doing all that without guides. So we've been doing that on Mondays um, and I need to do a little bit of it this week just because like I'm about to finish a step and Gork typically has said like, I need a day. And so uh, I assume he needs a day after this. So I need to just finish this step up. Um, so I, I like Guild Wars a lot. Um, it's probably my secondary MMO. Um, I think I've played a lot more of it than people think I have. But then on a Guild Wars stream, people were like, oh, people are watching this guy play Guild Wars. Is, does he know what he's talking about? No. Um, so like compared to like true Guild Wars experts, when you get into watching people like Rookery or Teapot or, or any of them, like I'm a moron. Um, but I have played a fair bit of it. Uh, so I, I really like it. Um, there are issues that pop up as a veteran. There are problems with lateral systems. Um, that doesn't mean lateral systems aren't the solution to a lot of vertical games. So like everything's a pro and con. And so when I say, oh, Guild Wars would fix this thing. Yes. And ideally you would implement only a fraction of what Guild Wars did, because if you implement all of what Guild Wars did, you're going to end up with all the same problems as Guild Wars. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about build balance and when you talk about, um, there's just, there's just a lot of flaws in, in Guild Wars as well. Uh, and then there's a lot of systems that can just die in a lateral world. They don't feel good because they feel current, but they're dead. So like dungeons and stuff just get dropped and then fractals feel like they're in a weird place right now. Uh, now I'm only like, I don't know, 90 agony resist or something. Um, and so I run with my friends who are all like 170. So I get to run a lot of fractals, but like I haven't. And what it is is I'm, I'm just, I don't have enough ascended gear yet. I only have like four or five slots. So, um, so I, I think Guild Wars really struggles because like, we're talking about Guild Wars here for everybody. Welcome back from the ad break. But mm -hmm. like the flaw of Guild Wars, since we talk about it as kind of the solution to a lot of problems in games, the flaw of Guild Wars is End of Dragons released back in February. And it came out with a new story, new bosses, new all the things. Because it's a lateral system, a lot of my longtime Guild Wars playing friends have said, why would I do it? Like they're like, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you I'm not going to do it. I'm just asking you to give me a reason. Um, because I feel like, like they already have legendaries across multiple builds across the, all their classes are capped. They end up, you know, they have 20 characters at cap or something. Um, and so they just feel like a lack of motivation because they get to where they've climbed to the top of 20 mountains mm -hmm. that are all the same height. And they're like, Hey, we added 10 more mountains of the same height. I think I'm just done climbing mountains um, as opposed to a vertical progression system where every time you get to the peak, they go, that's not the peak. That's not this the is peak. the peak. And so every two years they yeah. reset the peak. And the frustration is you're like, I always get to the peak only to find out that there's further, but as a guild wars player, you, yeah, but at least you get to be climbing. Well, um, there's there, the, the I, I think especially like vertical progression systems make games smaller where horizontal progression systems make games larger. And then there is a, I've seen somebody actually put together a, uh, a infographic about how you can then actually blend the two together to really have kind of an, an insane experience. So if you think about it, let's say 
in Final Fantasy 14 terms that the level cap was 50. And then for five, you know, for Heavensward, for Stormblood, for uh, Shadowbringers, and for Endwalker, the level cap is still 50. And then you have systems that kind of incorporate that. So it gets more content that's all set for that. Then you have what would be called Axe. And so then Act 2 drops and Act 2 maybe says, hey, now the level cap is 60. So you have both a horizontal progression that happens over the course of expansions. And then at the same time, you have the ability to kind of in a way chapter that now and then all of a sudden you have these different things. So it's not like every two years, the expand the level cap just increases, not every four months or six or eight months that the, the you know, like in the gear store can still keep going up within the horizontal, you know, kind of progression system. So it was an interesting, it's an interesting thought experiment because uh, it's something that I see debated within that. And most people are more, con, you know, more used to the WoW and 14 method because that those are the more popular games. Clearly the question ends up being, is like, is there kind of a hybrid? Because like when you look at, you know, Guild Wars, like could they have done that, kept it, at, you know, like at 80 and then, now that they've kind of done all of this, then it's like, okay, now we're going to slowly increase it so that over the span of 20 and 30 years, you're not doing what WoW had to do and just kind of claw everything back, you know. The, the problem is always going to be, do you give power? If yeah. you do give power, then that power will be acquired. And the moment mm -hmm. it's acquired, if you, you either have to lessen how hard it is to get that power so that new players can catch up, or you have to create a disparity yeah. where veteran players have done it. Um, if you don't put power, then veteran players eventually ask, why do it? Right. Um, I'm doing right. the same content. I was clearing these raids before, and now you came out with new classes, and I'm clearing the same raids for the same loot with the new classes. That's not enough. Like, if you're not giving me power, you're not giving me power. And so, like, it's literally, if you give them power, it's flawed in some aspects, it's successful in others. And if you don't give them power, it's flawed mm -hmm. in some aspects and it's successful in others. Yeah. So it's always going to be a pro con. If there was one perfect solution, games would have just done it yeah. by now. Here's the perfect um, solution. Oh, done. We found it. <laughs> and where all of these systems show their cracks is if they make the mistake of accidentally living a long time. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. Being successful. Like, like, like that's it. If you're successful, that's what does it. So when we talk back, when you talk about your favorite games, you talk about things like Warhammer Online. They get to be this ephemeral, perfect thing to you because it died. Yeah. Like, and it always gets to be this magical right. memory. It never got to age into it its problems. Never, like nobody Final wants Fantasy to see their favorite rock star <laughs> yeah. be old and and right. struggling. Yeah, it just so it's like. That's the problem WoW 14 and Guild Wars are having for the people that are, are frustrated with them is that they made the mistake of lasting. Um, so it's, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Now, we got to let's jump into our topic, our final topic for today's show. Final Fantasy 14 not uh, being alt friendly as a discussion that's going on within the 14 community, especially in terms of what we were just talking about with Guild Wars, like games that are successful kind of age into some of these problems. And Chris kind of brought this up uh, as even in the last segment when we we're talking about Diablo uh, 4. So guys, be sure to keep a lookout for those uh, videos as they roll out here on the channel. Be sure to like these videos as well so you don't miss uh, when we upload um, as that rolls out. That's a great way of helping out in the algorithm. And it's a great way of making sure you see the content or be a part of the Discord and community as we uh, do lots of gaming, a lot of MMOs together. Links are all in the description. But now let's talk about this because to catch everybody up to speed, if they haven't been paying attention, Chris and I did a marathon stream show for you guys going through the Q&A. I actually got that full video posted if you guys want to just go watch that part of it. 
Yoshi P said, in order to address the disparity between healers and the current Savage tier, he just wants to encourage people to go try healers. What's the problem with that, Chris? Why does that fail? Why is that mindset not in line with the reality of the situation? Let's assume everybody likes learning new jobs and that within the amount of playtime they have in a week, they're, they're more than capable of switching to the healer and playing it at the same degree as they do uh, the job they play now. Um, and that they will find out they enjoy it. So I've been playing Warrior as my main since mid-Stormblood before that I played Black Mage. I'm going to pick up Healer. I'm immediately going to be good at it, and I'm going to like it just as much as I did those things. Um, let's assume that. I have been clearing and capping my tomes every single week. You're supposed to be getting your P8 normal clear every single week. You're supposed to get as many Savage clears as you can, have a crafted set, an extreme weapon, whatever, wherever you're at in the gear progression. you just have to toss that in the trash now right um you do like how do you how do you do that right and a lot of people said that oh you can clear with 610 gear and it's like you're asking someone to invest in one way and then all of a sudden have to start that entire investment over again and so my my point about it isn't that it is the issue of trying healer it's that you then have weekly caps that gate you from getting caught back up to where you were as opposed to anything else. And that doesn't seem fair. It never has seemed fair. And so we've seen people, and we've talked about this in the past, like ideas that we've kind of talked about. And again, these aren't like easy fix, like, oh, they just need to flip a switch and it's done. Like these are core fundamental things that Yoshi P and the team need to ask themselves about what the future of Final Fantasy 14 Endgame needs to be. Because what like, do you have tomes cap per role? You know, in that regards, that's one way to kind of help address is that you get the tomes and you can kind of spend it in the different roles. Do you reduce the cost of other gear that after you purchase gear? So like, let's say you got a full tank spec, you got everything. Well, by purchasing all of that, then reducing the overall cost. So it ends up being where you could get a full healer set pretty daggum quickly so it isn't necessarily that they need to like completely revitalize or fully overhaul the core the core end game progression but there needs to be something there because like just try healer works fine on day 1 when you're making an investment at a point 0 or point 0.2 or a point 0.4 patch but when you're talking about weeks of investment weeks of progression not just learning the different role but like literally having to say like okay we need you to switch to this role and yeah, you're going to be behind that. That is unfortunately what they're asking or the other option. You know, I think, uh, you know, Chris and I were talking about this a little bit last night. The other option is go make another character, which kind of defeats the core philosophy of playing every job on one character, which we already have as the games evolved other problems, but also as the games evolved, playing another character is how many hours of story, even if you hit skip or, you know, like even if you pay to maintain multiple characters in different roles, so you're not hit by those weekly caps. And then also knowing that today, because knowing that today means you're still behind the weekly. Anyway, it's just easier to switch to, to to healer and get back and get in on that grind process. But you would have to be like, oh, I oh, I want to raid. I should at least have two characters. And then you're like, well, if you're going to have a character per job or character per role anyway, like what are we doing here? Like what? Like there needs to be something. And I think it really needs to come down to an investment and in in an understanding and a, maybe even a fundamental redesign of the structure of Endgame. because I understand the core philosophy of why there's a weekly cap, because you don't want people a grinding their butts off 
to the point where they burn out and you know and they're like oh, i hate this game i just i played it a thousand hours this week like well why did you do that well because there are no limits <laughs> and right. then um right. but also it keeps players who have more time from obviously getting so far ahead that other people can't keep up but that gate still hits and we've seen them address this in certain ways before where after a certain period of time that tome cap actually gets increased but we don't see that until the very end of the expansion and ultimately like maybe there would be an argument for laxing that or or so i've seen people talk about tra uh, trading in gear like oh i'm going to switch my tank set for a healer set so that way i can kind of pick up with my progression and try that healer out but what, what do you think chris like we're playing in a sandbox here of, of ideas like what would you like to see so where i get frustrated with it is then people just want to have alts and i was literally googling speed clears to make sure i'm as like up to date as possible I can't find anybody that's speed clearing. Like I, I can't find anybody that can beat ARR in less than like 12 to 16 hours speed clearing it. Because remember, mm. that's not a new game plus speed clear. I've seen some of those, but those people have all that teleports unlocked. They have mounts um, and everything's dying in one shot. So like, unless you're going to buy a skip, the only thing you can do free on your account is create another character and, and go through the story. Even as a speed clear, you're going to push escape through everything because you've already done it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still a journey. So the idea, and then you're talking about now I've got to maintain both sets of tomes. Well, Chris, that's only three rounds. That's only three hunt trains. So suck it up, do an extra three hunt trains. Okay. And now I have to prog as this other job on Savage on this other character each time. Well, my static already does to, you know, we already do split runs. Okay. So now when there's a, he now like how do i keep now i have to get extreme weapons on two sets of rolls like it just it just keeps stacking and stacking and stacking and one of the beauties of in-game in this in this game is that if you like raiding all you have to do is raiding there's there's very little outside of this but the moment you take that very little outside of this and you start doubling it or tripling it um it does add up you know tomes and making sure you always have enough gill to kind of keep your your flasks and stuff around and making sure you're buying your crafted sets all melded and they're not a big deal when it's one job every eight months they're not a big deal but if you start doubling that or tripling that it does add up and so yes there are people who keep three characters geared there are people who keep 10 characters geared. i, I don't mm -hmm. that's fine but is that what we want to be the norm uh and so he talked about it like, oh, just try healer. But A, he, you're already talking about a huge player skill disparity. Do you guys want healers in Savage who not only are behind now on gear, but also were spending the first seven weeks of Prague as a DPS and have never healed? Like, is that yeah. what we want in Savage? Um, because this all came out of the fact that Party Finder can have multiple groups sitting there that are at six of eight missing two healers. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's just a, a fundamental flaw in that being the answer. The answer can't be, well, you just do it. Uh, just like the answer can't be, if the, yeah. you know, if you don't like something about this game, just play another game. The devs can't be like, yeah, yeah. And we're just making sure that anything people ask for that we don't want to do, we just kick them out. Like, that's not, that's not a good answer. Yeah. Um, now, so as somebody, as somebody yeah. that's coming up on, I will have two Omni 90s by the end of this expansion. I just mm -hmm. don't think that should be what's expected of everybody. Yeah. See, I am a healer. Like, it's like I would be in endgame healing if I literally had A, the time and the interest. 
Uh, and it doesn't bother me. Like I like the healing aspect. And we talk about that also people are like, oh, you're not going to change, uh, you know, the society issue of like people want to be a green DPS. And this current prog is asking for more healer checks. I'm glad they're doing more healer checks. And this is probably a little bit of that cost. My issue is fundamentally in terms of like, okay, you want to try healer. Your progression system is a limiting factor and making that switch isn't an, I don't think it's a fair ask. I don't think it's a fair ask to the players, especially in the idea of where you can play on one character, any different role with the exception of Endgame. Like it with the, like where, how it's like, it, it is a kind of a contradiction almost in a way of like how the core game is designed and how it then enfolds on itself as opposed to like, oh, well, and this could be done through like a gearing system. Do we let crafted gear be upgraded in a different kind of capacity? It doesn't have to, they don't have to fundamentally change how the tomes uh, work and how the end game raid for works, but maybe there would be a crafted gear solution that allows you to make that change a little bit easier in some respect. Like there are solutions. I don't know what Yoshi P and the team will do. I just hope that they're actively hearing these things and actually then coming up with some kind of plan that would be for 7.0 or 8.0. Like when I talk about this is like, I don't think it's going to change overnight. I think this is going to be a problem. We're going to carry with us for a little while forward. So I don't want tome caps to just increase because doubling it from 450 to 900 is just a lesser version of it all. Cause now I still have to do twice as many trains per week. So that's not a solution to me. Cause you're still asking me to double my outside of raid playtime If I'm somebody who only likes raids in this case, mm -hmm. I would rather see once you've bought one chest piece, other chest pieces are cheaper. Yeah so that your tomes go further. So yeah. it acts as kind of a soft nerf. So mm -hmm. maybe your first chest piece is, what is it, 800, 825? 800, yeah. And your second one is is 500. And your third one is 300. 300 and your fourth one is 200. And your fifth and final one is 90 tomes or something. Um, so that you can kind of just ramp mm -hmm. down this gear. So, yeah. it, so it acts as this soft nerf. So by the end of a patch cycle, I would love to know that by the end of from 6.2 to 6.3, if you if you got all your savage clears every single week and you capped every single week, that you were looking at having multiple roles geared um, because it's ramping down. Or or we have a new half patch system. So Mythic Plus cannot be a source of raid ready gear without being required by raiders because right. it releases at the same time. But because when because of the way Criterion is releasing at the half patch, it acts as that natural nerf. So you could have, we don't know what, I don't know anything about Criterion. So this is, we're filming this on October 12th. We're going into Criterion very, very soon. Mm -hmm. But imagine if Criterion dropped Savage equivalent loot. Then two months in, that becomes a way to gear alt. It does then say to raiders that want to have multiple roles, you have to do criterion. So I hesitate to say it's a perfect solution because I don't like the idea that somebody who simply likes raiding is asked to do more things that are not raiding. That's one of my issues with WoW. If you're a raider, cool, you're a raider. Here's 10 things that aren't raiding that you're now required to do. Mm -hmm. I love that about 14, if you like raiding, what do I have to do? Just raid. Well, what if I don't like raiding? Then don't raid. Well, what if I like story? Just do story. Well, what if I don't like story? Then don't do story. Like, Eh, kind of and so like i, I like so i don't like make that content systems, if you don't do story otherwise, i like the system self-contained yeah because it means that at each system we aren't artificially driving engagement numbers by holding a portion of the player base hostage yeah i like your idea obviously of lowering the the cost of subsequent pieces of gear 
That way, if you have that collection mindset, if you do have that aspect, that it is mitigated off of your own investment already. You're already playing it. You're already getting the tomes. You're already purchasing the gear. And so that if in a couple of weeks, you're looking at the, the board, right? Like right now, oh, there's no healers. Just try healer becomes so much easier because you're like, oh, well, I've already gotten all that. Let me, okay, I'm just buy the second upset and you get it done within a week, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, it's the, it's the additional ask that I, that I struggle with. It's the additional ask of the frustration of like, oh yeah, like I've already got that leveled, but now I got to get back on this treadmill a second time and I'm not going to catch up to the, the original runners. Like there's no possible way that you can until they've linear. Right. Until, until they've reached the right theory. Right. You know, so you like, you'll, they'll always be ahead as opposed to like, oh, Okay, cool. And then within like a little bit of a grind, I, I'm not advocating for less grind. I like that. Now, Crispy says, and this will be a good kind of thought that I'd like to hear where he says, make gear universal and have a MacGuffin to hone up upgrade gear similar to Lost Ark's version without failure. What do you think, Chris? So, um, what I don't like about hone upgrade, um, is that then they become mandatory. So anybody who's ever done augmenting, uh, augmenting feels really weird. So one of the things I really like about how simple our gearing system is, um, is that it's it's simple. You literally just affix the materia. Uh, and outside of pentamelding, there's very, very little to learn. You basically just learn what your stat priority is. You have two slots, you just slide in the gear and then you're done. And augmenting is done very rarely. Any of you have ever done augmenting, it's a menu nightmare. Uh, it's just like, oh, I got to go get the floss from turning in my sacks of nuts. And then I got to, and then I got to go take the gear off and then hand it to a person and then switch menus through a, like an old JRPG type thing. And then I, oh, I bought the wrong tears. I guess those are my tears. Cause I'm crying now. And like, it just, the whole thing is just cumbersome. Uh, and you're like, how many of these things do I need? And then I can turn bracelets into boots. Like I don't, it, the, the whole thing is just wildly confusing. So if they're going to have a hone in an upgrade system, that needs to all be redone from the ground up. Um, the benefit of having a really simple gear system is that balance is something that historically has been pretty good in this game. Mm -hmm. The downside is we have no build variety and there's no depth for people who like getting into gear optimization. Um, cause we don't have like trinkets that change the way we play or anything like that. Um, so I, I don't mind the idea of upgrading gear. I just hope that it's something that would be done very easy. So maybe it's done as like an additional use of books and then we get mm -hmm. more books or something like that. Yeah. Um, where it's something very, very simple. Ideally something that I can apply to the gear while it's equipped. Yeah. I get a book and I just straight up apply it. And now it gets a glowy border. That. And that means it has its extra five item levels. Mm -hmm. Why the hell does Materia not increase item levels so that new players know We've that been it's saying doing that since something? ARR. We said that like, since like, ARR. Like, oh, give it make one. It, Boop. Make the one, number two. go higher. Make I just want the number to go higher. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I'm at just because like the only times that they've done upgrading gear, I already feel that 14 makes it weird. The only time I'm in full augmented is poetics gear where it's handled. Like I <laughs> augmented, I just find cumbersome. Yeah, it is cumbersome and there's nothing. Uh, and so that's where it's like, I would love and hope that because also Japanese, like what the core aspect is that the Japanese side of this is actually bringing this up in a very loud way. This isn't coming from like North America, Reddit. This is coming from the official forums in Japan. And I hope that because of that, this becomes a bigger issue and something that Yoshi P and the team take some design time to kind of really think through. What is the end game progression 
needing to become 7.0, etc. Like, I don't think we're going to see it change now, nor would I actually want that because I think it would cause too much, you know, too many problems, too many, like, it just makes more sense to say like, okay, now we're in 7.0. What kind of things would we love to see? Gear upgrades would be one of those things. I've talked about that, especially with old relics. Like, I know we have the glamour system and everything kind of shifts to that, but I wouldn't mind being able to find pieces of gear that I invest in and I'm able to, you know, level those up and you know yes augment those up and and find ways to that i can sit down and say like yep this is the set that i want so there's got to be i doing think all that can yeah. mainly all move to one set can we, we just can asking we... for more homogenization at that point though no wow has gear that adjusts my my druid gets a druid slot and it changes stats based on what spec i'm in mm -hmm. so if you want to have them all be different statted that's fine that does become an issue with how do you slot the materia, but black mages and red mages and warriors and the other tanks are already telling you like, well, screw off. Like we have already experienced that and just get in line. Um, and materia should have been moved to weapons and job stones only a million years ago so that it wasn't on shared gear. Uh, but like, I don't mind if because I'm a ninja main, my dragoon is in bad gear. What I don't like is that Melee is the only role that somebody's like, I want to try a different way of playing melee. Oh, wait, I don't have any freaking gear. Uh, like, it's the only one. Um, and so it's just weird. It's just weird. It's weird. Um, it's just weird. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think uh, it's going to be something interesting to see we evolve because I don't think 14 technically needs to be alt friendly. I think um, it could do a lot better job though. And I think what these words and this conversation, hopefully it'll be a good point in the community to kind of take a look at and say, Hey, this is how it's been. Could it be better? And so any ideas that you guys have like note that please go weigh in on uh, the forms uh, in that way that they, they can have that, that data and they can compile that data and we can see that because Yoshi P's always stated that he wants to make the game that we want to play. And I do enjoy healing in this game. Um, but I think that when we talk about end game progression, and the idea of just like, go, oh, just go play, you know, go, go, why don't you go play tank? Why don't you go play healer? Like, okay, why am I having to re, why, why do I have to fall on that sword when nobody else, nobody else is in order to do these things? So I think a lot of the frustration with healers is also like, are we DPSing? And if so, is DPSing fun? And are tanks using mitigation because P5 hits a brand new tank like a truck? Mm -hmm. And that's the first one. Um, so yes, people want to talk about is P6 hard, is P7 hard, is P8 hard. But like, if a healer gets dissuaded from doing P5, they're not doing P6, 7, or 8. Uh, <laughs> and so, so like, it, it just, you know, and when healers are getting blamed for people getting, everything is blamed on healers. Everything like, blamed I love healers. is mechanics like Devour, where it's like, how come you didn't heal me? You got eaten. Like, I don't, what do you want? What do you want? Um, but then you're expected to res. And that, so now I got to give up my mana and my swift cast because you can't get your act together. So like, oh. I, par I parsed I, par I parsed gray because I was oh I was healing everybody etc and now nobody wants to bring me along to these other fights so there's it's other issues going on. Mm -hmm. appreciate your healers and party finder needs to have the ability to let a healer in at lower gear score right now I set a gear score for the entire party finder I'm willing for the healer to come in at 610 but I need everybody else in here at 620 mm -hmm. um so we, we got to start making things more granular somehow, or we've got to start making fundamental changes to the system. Uh, the two minute windows and stuff has made the DPS stuff where like either people are doing it or they aren't. Um, so it's already all in a weird spot. So I don't know. Something's got to give uh, and it probably will. Yeah. So keep we waiting. Give them feedback so it gives the way we want. 
So guys, I've put in chat. If you guys want to continue uh, with us over on uh, Twitch, links in the description. We appreciate any and all lurkers over there. I put it on the Twitch side. I didn't put it on the YouTube side. <laughs> You're already there. Uh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, fun times. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here as a part of the live show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed and we will hopefully see you in the next show and or video and or stream. Uh, be sure to keep uh, locked to the channel for more MMORPG news discussion guides and so much more. Thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you have a wonderful day. Hopefully we'll see you next time. But until then, take care.